Let's turn our Bible, please, to Exodus chapter 3, the third chapter of Exodus. Appreciate all the wonderful music this morning, Brother Buster directing us, and the uh, Miss Abby's song, Nothing But Leaves, and the Brother Harold Dodson, Without Him I Can Do Nothing, with the choir helping him with that. And then the quartet. Thank you, quartet. You sang what I'm going to preach this morning. Go down, Moses. Exodus chapter 3. May we bow together in prayer. Our Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit will use the Word of God, that which has already gone forth in song, the impact of the people of God meeting together, the fellowship one with another, and especially the presence of the Holy Spirit. And now may He take the message of God, the Word of God, and place it in every one of our hearts. May someone who has never found Christ come to know you today, and every believer receive fresh spiritual anointing and power to do your bidding. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm reading from Exodus chapter 3. And Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, a bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh here, but put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God of Isaac. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the land out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a large and good land, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses was the little baby 
born in a time when it was against the law to have a male child. They didn't have abortion at that time. They just murdered the babies after they were born instead of before. And so Moses' mother and daddy saw that he was a fair child and they hid him as long as they could and finally they put, placed him in the little basket in the Nile River. And Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe and she found the little baby crying in the basket and she took that little baby and somehow the Lord moved upon her heart with compassion and she reached out and wanted that little baby to be her own. And she found a girl standing nearby. God just happened to have that girl there. The girl was, anybody remember who the girl was? Her name was Miriam. It was Moses' sister. You see, when the mother had, had to place that little baby in the basket, she wasn't about to kill her little baby. She went down there and placed him there and just by faith did that because I'm sure she must have felt the Lord telling her to do it. And she said to the baby's big sister, you stand there and watch. And I think she probably whispered, if it looks like the baby's going to get drowned, you rescue it. Now that's not part of the scripture text. But I sort of have in mind that that's what she was doing there. And so when Pharaoh's daughter found the little baby, she saw the girl standing, she said, now, do you know, are you a Hebrew? Could you find some Hebrew to help me with this little baby? And Miriam said, well, let me see. I'll try, let me see, where, who could I find? Oh, she didn't do anything like that. She said, I know exactly the person. She ran home to her mother and her mother ran back. And here was little baby Moses placed back in his mother's arms. Isn't that just like God? God finds a way where there seems to be no way. And so little baby Moses grew up in those early primitive years in his mother's arms. There came a day when Moses had to go to Pharaoh's palace. I'm sure after he was through breastfeeding, maybe after toddler age, maybe after the training of those early years, he went to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He grew up in all of the science and literature and learning and education of that day. Now in that day, they were teaching that the world was flat and it rested on a great big animal like a turtle. And when the turtle would wiggle, the earth would shake. That was the answer for earthquakes. And that's what they thought. And Moses learned all of that in school. You'd expect to find that in some of his teaching. But you see, Moses had, had imparted to him from a godly mother and daddy the things of the Lord. And even though he grew up as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he had a deep understanding of the things of God. And years and years later, he wrote things spiritually powerful that rhyme with modern science today, the scientific facts that we know are real. For example, he hung the world on nothing. He sits on the circle of the earth. Now those are truths that were given to us from Scripture. 
in a time when the scientists of their day were teaching anything but that. Well, when Moses came of age, whether that was 18 or 20 or 21, we're not sure. He was out one day and he saw an Egyptian flogging, whipping, unmercifully one of the slaves, a Hebrew, a Jew. And it grieved Moses and Moses went down and withstood him to the face and the man was going to hurt Moses and Moses just killed him. Now there are a lot of commentaries that have written about that and they said, now Moses had no business killing that guy. I'm going to leave that to you to decide. If somebody's going to attack your wife, came in and was about to kill your wife, what would you do? Just walk off and say, well, maybe the police will do something bad. I'll call 911, see if they can do anything, come fast enough to help. I will leave that with you to decide. But Moses did what almost any red-blooded man of God would do. He rose to the occasion. Incidentally, the Bible later says Moses was the meek man of the earth. The meekest man that ever lived in that interesting. In those early years, he wasn't that meek. He had a temper filled with, with pepper. <laughs> some like some of us have today. And he just mowed the man down. That temper flared up several times in his old age. Years and years later, when Moses had led the children of Israel through the land of Sinai Desert for nearly 40 years, and they murmured and they murmured and they murmured and they murmured, and already God had given them water out of the rock at Meribah. And Moses said, God said, Moses, all you have to do is speak to that rock and you can have water again. And Moses went out filled with anger and temper and he smote the rock twice. And water came out. God took care of the people, but Moses, God said, Moses, because you've let this thing come again, you're not going to be able to lead the children of Israel into the land of Canaan. And yet the Bible says about Moses, he was the meekest man of the earth. So I think all of his life he had to deal with that temper. And you know, when we give our temper and our old things of our old nature to God, God deals with them. God can aid us. Well, Moses had to flee for his life after killing that Egyptian. He went to the backside of the desert. Now, isn't it interesting where he went? He went back to Canaan's land. He was in Egypt. He went back to Canaan without realizing why he went. God led him there to get training so he would know where to lead the people of God later. And he took care of Jethro's flock on the backside of the desert. One day he was walking along and he saw an unusual experience, unusual thing. Here was a bush and it was burning. Well, he maybe thought, well, I guess lightning caught that. I don't know where, how it got a fire. And he just uh, watched a little bit and went on. And then he looked back and the bush was kept on burning, but it wasn't consumed. Nothing burned up about it. It just fire, this kept, fire kept coming. And he said, well, I'm gonna go back and watch this. This is a strange thing. Suppose, for example, this morning you'd see fire come out of those bushes and yet it didn't consume the bushes, didn't hurt the rug, didn't do anything, didn't even produce any smoke, it just burned. You'd say, I want to watch that, I don't understand what's happening. 
That's what Moses did. He came back and watched, and a voice said, Moses, Moses, yes, here am I. Take your shoes off your feet. The ground whereon you stand is holy ground. He took his shoes off his feet and stood there a little while. And God gave him assignment impossible. Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt's land and say to old Pharaoh, let my people go. Now that was the assignment God gave. Now listen, some of you, God has given an assignment. Sometimes you think that assignment is impossible. Some of you are graduating from college today. This is Western Graduation Day. Others will be graduating from college and universities and seminaries this month. Others will be graduating from high school this month. Everyone who is here today who is graduating this month, lift your hand. If you're graduating this month, all right. Several folks here today are graduating. That's wonderful. We congratulate you. Now, God has an assignment for you. Did you know that? And you may say, think that assignment is impossible to accomplish. That's what Moses thought. When Moses said, when God said, Moses, now I want you to go down to Egypt and tell old Pharaoh to let my people go, immediately Moses began to give God excuses. <laughs> Have you ever given God an excuse? You know, we give each other excuses. Would you come to Sunday school? Well, I would like to come to Sunday school, but it's raining. Or I'd like to come to Sunday school, but I have to go see Aunt Phoebe or Uncle Jacobin. Well, I would like to go to church, but you know, that's my only rest day. That's the only day in the week that I can sit around and do nothing. That's my fishing day. Well, that's the day I cut the grass. Now, we offer all kinds of excuses to each other. God began to offer, uh, Moses began to offer these excuses to God. And do you know that some of us have done the same thing? There are some in this room this morning and within the sound of my voice who have heard God speak in the still small voice to your heart. He has whispered an assignment to you and your eyebrows went up and you shook your head and you said, Lord, I don't think I can do that. And God says, all right, I'm so glad you don't think you can because it doesn't matter whether you can do it or not. If you'll let me do it, I'll do it through you. Now let's look at the excuses Moses offered for just a moment or two. Look in chapter 3, verse 11. First thing Moses said is, Lord, who am I that I should go into Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Well, I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. I'm the man that killed that Egyptian. And Lord, the people of Israel, the Jews over there are not well thought of. And if I go back, nobody will. Well, who am I to do a thing like that? I, I'm, I'm nothing. Now there's a sense in which our Lord is long suffering with us. 
He does not get all upset with us. He doesn't bawl us out and scold us over these excuses we give him. I think there's nothing naive about God. He knows everything, but sometimes he accommodates himself to our way of saying things. And I think what happened here is God, in order to help Moses save face a little bit, said, now, Moses, I know you think you're nothing, and that's all right. I'm glad you think you're nothing, because I can't do anything with anybody that thinks there's something. If you thought you had all the personality plus and all the ability and you had everything going for you, I couldn't use you. I want to compliment you, Moses, for recognizing that you are nothing. And so when God comes to each of us and gives us an assignment, and the first thing that comes to us, we say, well, now, who am I? I can't do anything like that. Our dear Lord whispers, I'm glad you said that, because in your own strength, you can't do it. You're not able. If you'll let me, I'll do it through you. Just give me your eyes, I'll see through them. Give me your hands, I'll move through them. Give me your feet, I'll walk through them. Give me your personality and I'll touch others through it. You give me your tongue and I'll talk to others through you. Have you ever thought, well, I would like to be a Sunday school teacher. Maybe this fall, the nominating committee may come and say, you know, we need somebody to teach juniors. You say, juniors? Why, they're wild Indians. I couldn't do that. God says, I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that. Because you know that's true. You couldn't. But if you'll let me, I'll do it through you. tell you, we need somebody in the nursery, the nominating committee comes and says, we need somebody to help us with those little tiny babies that maybe that baby one day is going to be president of the United States, or maybe be another Billy Graham. And you say, baby, why I can't do that? God says, I'm so glad you said that. You know, you can't do it, but if you let me, I'll do it through you because I love little babies. preach? You want me to be a preacher? My Lord, I can't do that. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Because you know, that's exactly true. You can't. But if you'll let me, I'll preach through you. Well, Moses didn't get very far with that first excuse, did he? Lord, I can't do it. That's good. I'm glad you can't. I'll do it through you. So now Moses tries something else. Look at this second excuse, verse 13. And Moses said to God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? <laughs> now, isn't this interesting? Moses grew up in the home of a godly mother and daddy in his early years then went to live in Pharaoh's court. There was something indelibly impressed upon his heart from the th about the things of God. And then Moses says, now I don't know who you are, God. Listen to this carefully. There are lots of people who know all about God 
They've heard about him all their lives, but they don't know him. Moses said, now, Lord, when I go down there to Egypt and I say to Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. And he says, who is God? What am I supposed to say? I, I don't know. Now, now listen, do you really know God or do you know about him? Do you know him personally? Have you walked with him? Have you talked with him? Have you heard him say, you're mine and I'm yours? Do you know him or is it all secondhand? Somebody was telling me the other day that they asked someone this past week, are you a saved man? Well, well but he, he, he stammered and stuttered. He said, well, well I'm a deacon. Uh, he said, well, that's not what I ask you. Are you a saved man? Well, I've been a member of the church for years. Why do you ask me that? And he never did come out and say, I'm saved. Do you know it's possible to be in the church and not know the Lord? How many in this room were members of the church before you really knew the Lord? Lift your hands. Just look at this all over the auditorium. So you see, we need to constantly check up on this. Do I really know him? Brother Harold saying a while ago, without him, I can do nothing. Maybe one of the reasons we don't. Comes to realize he does not know the Lord and he gets saved or else he quits or else he was really saved see I, I know a lot of people that have that that have accepted an important responsibility and they've tried to do it in their own strength only to fail not visibly it didn't look like we're failing on the outside but inside they were just empty and they had nothing to give so finally after a while they come and say well i just can't do it anymore and the problem is not your schedule The problem is not that you're too busy. The problem is a relationship and a fellowship with the Savior. And so Moses said, now, Lord, who are you? Now, that's, that's a pretty good question. First of all, who am I? And God said, don't make a difference who, who you are, Moses. I'll, I'll help you. I'll do it through you if you'll let me. And then Moses said, but who are you? <laughs> who are you? Now, look how God answers. This is a beautiful answer. And God said, Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now I am as part of the conjugation of the verb to be. You cannot say I was. God has to say I am. I am, I am, I am. Because you see with God, there's no such thing as time. All of it is eternity. With us, God has accommodated us with a timeline. And between point creation and point consummation, everything goes on. And we can say, well, that used to be, that will be, and this is. But with God, God says, this is. He says, I am. And Moses scratched and said, oh, he said, I see. And do you know, I'm not sure but I almost believe that's when Moses got converted. 
when he came to know who God is. You see, we can't really serve the Lord till we know who he is, till we know him. Now, we may not understand all about it. I don't think Moses ever understood all that. There was toward the end of his ministry. Years later, he said, now, God, I've been knowing you all these years. I'd like to see you. <laughs> and God said, all right, Moses, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to pass by. But Moses, all you'll see is my glory, the hinder part of my glory. Nobody has ever seen me and lived. But you see, Moses knew the Lord, but he wanted to know him better and better and better. Paul wrote in Philippians 3.10, after he'd been a Christian for many years and served the Lord as a great missionary preacher, he said, that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And so Moses came to know the Lord. Do you really know him? It is impossible to know God except through Jesus Christ. Some of you who will be graduating this year, do you know him? Are you sure you know him? If you know him, then let him do what he wants to do through you. And he'll do it. You don't have to sweat. You know, you've heard that expression, no sweat, no problem. You don't have to have all those problems. Just turn over to him. When the big problems come, say, now, Lord, this is your problem. You're doing it through me. You're more interested in it than I am. So you do it. You take care of it. I just want to be sure that I'm not in your way, but I want to be in your way. And so God said, I am the great I am. In the New Testament, over and over again, Jesus used that same expression. He said, I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the good shepherd. I am what I am. I am hath sent you. Now let's notice the third excuse Moses gave. Look in verse chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. They won't believe me, Lord. Have you ever told the Lord that? Now, Lord, I would like to go and talk to somebody about Jesus, but they won't believe me. Have you ever felt impressed in your heart that God was at a burning bush time in your life and he was saying, now you ought to go talk to your father. You ought to go talk to your mother. You ought to go talk to your brother or sister. You ought to go talk to your aunt or uncle. You ought to go talk to your boss. And you say, well, they wouldn't believe me. One of the ladies in our church worked in a factory where there was a boss and she came to me one day and she said I want you to my boss is sick I want you to go see him she said I've tried to witness to him and I want you to go visit him well I went over to visit him he was an agnostic rough filthy talking guy and so on but he said I told him about the lady mentioning him. she worked in the factory where he was the manager boss of the thing he said Oh, yes, I know that lady. She lives a godly life. He recognized God in her. You, you see, maybe they won't believe. When Jesus was here, did everybody believe Jesus? When Paul preached, did everybody believe Paul? The book of Acts closes with this statement, some believed and some believed not. 
That's always been the reaction to the gospel. When Moses went down to Pharaoh and said, God said, let my people go. Well, Pharaoh didn't believe Moses. And God said, now Moses, I want you to know that when you go down there, that he won't believe you. Don't worry about it. You just go deliver him a message. And that's what God is saying to you. Don't worry about whether they believe or not, just go. Do God's bidding. Go give the gospel track. Go take the stand. If God's calling you to be a Christian uh, businessman, go do it, but be sure you're a Christian businessman. If God's calling you to be a missionary, go do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because you're able, but because He is able and He'll do it through you. And whether they believe or not is beside the point. If God calls you to be anything, just say, Lord, I'm reporting. If you'll do it through me, I can do it. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. It doesn't matter whether they believe or not. Do you know that Jeremiah was called, called by God to go and preach to sinning Judah, Judah? He preached 40 years. After he'd preached for a while, he got discouraged. He said, Lord, I'm just going to quit. I didn't know it was going to be like this. I'm just going to quit. And in Jeremiah chapter 20, he started throwing the towel. But he said, now wait a minute, Lord, I can't do that. Thy word is like a fire in my bones. I can't quit. Because he knew the Lord. You see, a lot of the quitting is because humanly we get discouraged and defeated along the way. We have a, a young man in, our, in the building, in the auditorium this morning. A good basketball player. Came a time early this year, he wanted to quit basketball. Just quit. And we talked and I prayed for him. And you know, he went back in and God used him in a tremendous way. Don't quit. If God has given you an assignment, do it. Moses, it doesn't make any difference whether Pharaoh believes you. It doesn't make any difference whether the Jews down there believe you. You go do what I tell you to do. What is success? Success is not measured in the Bible like the world measures success. It's not whether you become a millionaire, whether you have a big $100,000 or $500,000 home to live in, whether you have the finest clothes and drive the biggest car. Success is measured by whether you do what God says to do. And if you do what God says to do, leave the rest to Him. Do you suppose Job thought he was a success when he was sitting by the hearth and his three friends came and said, you old fool, why, what kind of sin have you committed that you've let God has done this thing to you and your lands are gone and your children are gone and your wife has said, commit suicide, you old fool, and curse God and die? You think he felt like a success? I'm sure he didn't even feel like it. Nobody else thought he was a success. success. What about you? Do you think Job was a success? You see, we read, we read the last chapter. <laughs> now, we've read the last chapter of the Bible. And God says those who know him and believe him and do his work, whether the world says you're successful or not, you're successful because you've done God's bidding. I want you to notice the fourth excuse, and that'll be end. Look in chapter 4, verse 10. And Moses said, Lord, now he's still standing at the burning bush. He says, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, 
neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken. <laughs> Lord, when you started talking to me, I thought in the back of my mind, well, I just don't have the words to say and I'm not eloquent like other people are. And even though you've talked to me and you tried to say it doesn't make any difference who I am and it's all who you are and whether they believe me or not, it's all good and well. But Lord, even since you've been talking to me, I'm still not eloquent. If I go down there to Pharaoh, I'll fall flat on my face. I won't be able to accomplish the thing. I don't know what to say. I'll jabber. God told me to come down here and tell you to let my people go. He said, he'll think I'm out of my mind. Now this is one time God got a little bit angry. Now I'll tell you why. God said, I made your mouth. I can do something with you if you believe me. Demosthenes couldn't talk. He went down put pebbles in his mouth and practiced talking with rocks in his mouth until he could become the greatest orator. Moses, I can do something with your mouth if you'll let me. God said that same thing to Jeremiah. He said the same thing to Paul. He says the same thing to you. God got a little bit upset with Moses and he said, Moses, you're going to miss a blessing. You're going to miss a blessing. You're telling me you're not eloquent. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit tired of these excuses. Here comes Aaron, your brother. He'll be your spokesman. I still want you to go. You see, God didn't strike Moses dead. He didn't destroy him on the spot. He was long-suffering, got a little bit upset. But he provided Moses with somebody to help him. That's what God will do for you. God will provide somebody to help you if you need it. If you do his bidding. You're going to graduate this month. And God is putting in your heart some stir. And he's saying, I want you to do a certain thing for me. And give you an assignment. And you feel like that's a mission impossible. I say, Lord, I'll do what you ask me to do. I'll do it for your glory and your honor. Go down, Moses. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. Moses went down. Pharaoh's heart was hardened again and again and again and again. But God gave Moses the honor of leading those children of Israel out of bondage. He'll give you that same honor. God will use you if you'll let him. It begins by receiving him, knowing him as your own Lord. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Is there somebody here today who would say, now, Lord, I'm aware that you've given me an assignment. I'm not sure I can do it. Maybe the assignment is to confess you as my Savior, and I'm timid, a little bit bashful. Maybe the assignment is to follow you in baptism. My folks don't think I ought to be. They don't think I'm old enough. But Lord, I know you intimately and personally. If you've told me to do it, I'll do it. Maybe you want me to go on in my education to college. But I don't think, Lord, that I have the money to go. I don't see how I could ever afford it. If you'll let God do it through you, he'll help you. Maybe God is telling you to go on after college to further work 
to work on that for which God wants you all your life. You say, that's going to be tough and hard. If you'll let God, He'll help you. Maybe God is leading you to move your membership to this church, and you say, well, that's sort of tough. If you let the Lord do it through you, He'll do it. God may whisper to your heart, I want you as a missionary. I want you as a preacher. I want you to man the mission fields. And somehow deep inside you say, now, Lord, I'm not from that kind of a family, and I don't know how I'd ever do it. If you'll say, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do, he will enable you. Our Father, we pray that somebody right now would say, Lord, here's my life. I put my life on the line for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. <clears throat> Come every soul by sin oppressed. <clears throat> There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Would you come today and say, Lord, first of all, I want to confess you as my Savior. Trust you as my Lord. Maybe you've already asked Jesus to come into your heart. Maybe in your home somewhere. And you need to come and let everybody know it. I want to be standing right here. I'd like for you to come so I can tell the church you've been saved. Maybe there's somebody here who has never been saved. Would you come and say, Lord, I want to give my life to Christ? We'll show you how from the Bible. Maybe you need to move your membership to this church. You ought to come and take that stand for Christ. But God may have been speaking to you about His will for your life, His plan, His purpose. Would you do what He wants you to do? Place your life on the line for God. Let Him begin to use you. Would you do it? While we begin to sing, will you come for His glory?